Thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. You are on episode number nine, and with me, my co-captain as usual. I'm Scott Larson. Hey, Scott. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing well. It seems like we've taken a little break, but uh, I'm not the one that has the major uh, announcements with life-changing experiences. Maybe you should start off. Maybe. You know what? You're probably right on that. Um, If you didn't check out our Facebook post or our Pinside post from last week, the reason we took a week off or or skipped a week is my wife had the twins. And so everything's going good. They're healthy. We're just waiting for them to gain a little weight and then we'll get them home. So they were born not yesterday because we're recording on Tuesday night, but they were born last Monday. So May 6th. And so everything's going great with them. Well, good. And of course we feel that, uh, life should take, uh, precedence over hobbies. And so we decided to take a week off and, (laughs) let Josh be with his family. Uh, but now that the kids are doing fine, we have a little bit of time. So we figured we'd update and get going. For sure. And that was my major stuff. So did you have anything cool happen to you in the last couple weeks, Scott? Uh, yes. Um, I bought uh, pin gulps and I put them on all of my machines. That is super. Well, and then didn't you also, I don't know if you already want to talk about this, or if we want to skip it for later, but didn't you get your hands on a black knight as well? Oh, yeah. No, I, I played a Black Knight. Absolutely. Um, we could... Uh, sure. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, yeah, let's do it. I want to hear about this. Yeah. So the Black Knight was pretty much what I expected. I mean, the Black Knight is... Um, it's a... It's basically a trilogy. It's three different versions of a very similar layout with, with little modifications. Um I I liked it. I thought it was really fun. Um, it also has the same limitations and the same brutality as a Black Knight and Black Knight 2000. So it's almost like you're dealing with playing a uh, one or a two thirds playfield because all your shots above that are just either ramps or you know a wire form, and it, it's just kind of feeding back to you. So even though you're playing. Um, it really is almost like playing a mini game, but that's really how the original Black Knight was. Now I played the pro; I didn't play the premium, so I don't know how the upper playfield would uh, play into it. I I think it's a very fun game. It felt like a video game uh, mixed with a uh, basically it felt like Mortal Kombat, really, um, like, at least with the animations and the vibe that you're always fighting these uh, different enemies. Um, I think it's it's really tough. Um, I think you do want that vibe to, yeah, I really want to put another quarter in or I want to play with friends. It has that feeling to me. I'm, it may or, I'm not sure whether or not it would do better on location or at home because the brutality of it, you're just gonna just go ahead and say, hey, maybe I'll take a little more time and uh, at home and it doesn't matter if, uh, the ball comes screaming down the middle, I can just always play another game. Also, I, I think it may be fun for location because it does provide that quicker turn turnaround if you're playing with people. Um, you really don't want to have a game where, at least I don't on location if I'm playing with friends, where they're playing a ball time for five, ten minutes. I mean, you kind of lose interest at that point um, because it's kind of hard unless you're leaning over their shoulder or watching, it's really hard to be uh, interacting with them while they do that. Um, And so I think the shorter ball time, um, you know, kind of like a a TNA, uh, it, it plays into being able to, um, to mix it up uh, and to still be active and social. I really like it. I think it's great. Uh, I guess the jury's still out on whether or not I would prefer that to be a home location or a, uh, a bar slash arcade location. I think currently I prefer it to be at the at the arcade. So it's not something you'll see in the foreseeable future that you would just bring into the house and want to dig deeper into it. I think it would be fun. I think it would be uh, it would be a game that I would certainly not pass up to take into the house. Uh, I I guess it just kind of depends on how long it scratches that itch. Uh, that brutality can be. Yeah. Uh, can be fun. It can also be a little too hard. Uh, 
However, there are there are ebbs and flows that people can like that or not like that. I have Iron Man at home, and as we all know, when it came out, it was it was kind of considered a simple rule set, and it was um, it was short ball times. People didn't like it. Uh, then it kind of had this renaissance after a while where people really liked it. I mean, it became a tournament game, and people. Yeah. liked, okay, well, I can play it in a tournament and there are some nuances of ways that you can blow up the score. So I think it kept the interest of the high-level players. And I think that is a trickle-down effect to make people want to keep it in their home. Um, I like it because I go downstairs and if I only have 10 minutes, I can get a few games in it. Um, I don't really have that kind of time if I'm going to play Simpsons Pinball Party. So I tend to go to the shorter games because I just want a quick fix. So I, I think it could actually fit into that niche too. Um, I, I guess we'll see with time how well it plays out on the tournament scene though. Because I think the tournament scene is going to make or break the game. I agree. It definitely looks like a game that is geared towards the tournament scene. It's not something I look at and think... Um that it's long playing like uh, Lord of the Rings or something like that, something that you have a lot of meat. But then again, it is early code. We don't know exactly where Tim Balls is going to go with it. Um, he might be, you know, putting a whole in-depth code in there, but uh, you got to balance the code with, with the gameplay. I mean, if it's brutal, fast gameplay, you don't want super long code because you're never going to be able to reach the end. Yeah, and it's always you're always going to walk that balance. And I like that there are not just picking a lane and saying, hey, we're only releasing different versions of Iron Maiden or, you know, just we're only doing brutal tournament games. I mean, they're mixing up, really. They went back to back. They did Monsters, which is, I would say, a very friendly game. I'm Unless you make Monsters harder, I'm not sure how much of a favorite it's going to be on the tournament scene. But um, right back to back, they go to Black Knight. Uh, I think they both have great art packages. They both are visually um, tantalizing. You want to go and say, hey, what's that? Uh, and I think that they both certainly have potential. I just can't wait to get my hands on a, a Black Knight sort of rage and try it out for myself. I think it looks like a fun game. I think the Pro plays really well. It, the Pro does play really fun. And so I'm not sure how the upper play field is going to play into it. As I said before, I... I'm not much of a, I don't have that emotional connection with the, the legacy of Black Knight, Black Knight 2000. So it, it may be that it doesn't matter to me, but uh, it may change the game for the better or for the worse, or just for personal preference, just depending on whether or not you want that upper play field. We had one other thing happen to both of us this last week or two. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, within the time that we've done the interview with Eric Minier, and now that we're doing this one, uh, we got invited to the Rocky Mountain Pinball Showdown to kind of talk about, I don't know what at this point. I know that Holly's reached out to us and we've talked about it. I won't be there because my babies still aren't out of the hospital. <laughs> so, But Scott has agreed to go to Denver to the show next weekend. So it's May 25th, 26th, and 27th. And we're trying to line up getting an interview with Dan, the gentleman over the show, to kind of give us a taste of what the show is about how long it's been around and whatnot, but um, yeah. Uh, you know, this is going to be really my first pinball show because I just haven't had the time to either go. That There's no real shows that are within driving distance of Utah, and so unless you want to fly there and take time off work, um, it's always felt a little bit like a, an indul indulgent vacation for me to take some time off for my family. Um, however, this is fun and we, uh, we know, uh, Jeff Rivera from the pinball podcast is going out and he usually does something. So we actually reached out to him and said, maybe we could do something, uh, jointly. Um, I don't think, uh, Jessica Donato is going to be there either. Uh, and so with you not being there and Jessica not being there, uh, Jeff and I will probably be able to figure out something, uh, to record either live or an interactive session or something along those lines. Um, I think it'll be really interesting because Jeff certainly has a more legacy perspective on pinball and I'm more of the, the newer kid on the block. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what they have at the show, but I'm really excited to, to check it out and see this isn't one of the 
bigger shows, but it's certainly our local show. And so if you start, you want to start local and yeah. see what you have in your area. Well, I think the other thing too is is uh, I've listened to Jeff talk about the show a couple times in the past. Between this, the Rocky Mountain Pinball Showdown and Indisc, it's always like going back to family. So it'll be kind of cool to... I, I wish I could go. This is one of the shows I've wanted to go to. The nice part is I live about halfway between Salt Lake and Denver. I live more towards Salt Lake than Denver, but I've always wanted to go to the show. So it's kind of kind of sucks that I gotta stay, but I'm excited to be with my family. So yeah, and 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 and, and I like that. I, I like that we have said that uh, our priorities are. I mean, this is a hobby. Like I, uh, I appreciate uh, the the tenacity and the commitment that high level players have and those who are willing to go to pinball competitions every weekend and to get better at pinball. Um, I'm just not really in that phase of life right now, so I can't do that. Um, but I think it's certainly a nice fun hobby distraction that uh, keeps me sane yeah. from all the, the things that we do on the day to day um, challenges of life, I guess. Well, not only that, but look at uh, Jack Danger. It's awesome to see because he's already looking for someone to kind of take over his role of streaming because he's so dedicated to his streaming while, after his, his kid shows up. And so it's nice to see it's yeah. just not us. I know that uh, sometimes we kind of look at the hobby and we see just the the people up front. We don't see the people behind them that make the sacrifices. So it's good to see that uh, some of the pinball people are making the sacrifices should we get into some news and notes? Go ahead. Awesome. I wrote down a couple things since it's kind of funny. We took a week off. I'd be afraid that we'd be all backed up on news and notes, but it seems like the last two weeks has just kind of been nothing. <laughs> Not necessarily nothing, but it's. I think it's a slow trickle. Yeah, it's 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 been more of a slow trickle because we had two releases. And so and we recorded with Martin and we talked about uh, um we talked about Wonka's release and then we talked about uh, um, Black Knight. And so, yeah, we've had a few releases. The nice thing about this is now we can talk about some other things that are uh, going on. So, yeah, I agree. So I sent you the cosmic carnival video, the gameplay video. Mm -hmm. uh, did you have the opportunity to take a look at that? Yeah. Yeah. I took a look. Um, it's, I, I, I have a hard time envisioning how it's going to feel when you play. Um, it certainly has that retro feel. It's almost like a, feels like a late eighties game where they're starting to get into, you know, ramps and, um, movement, kind of like a roller games, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel that it has the same, um, I don't want this to sound dismissive, but it doesn't feel like it has the nuance and the complexity that like a nineties Bally Williams color DMD does, or excuse yeah. me, not color DMD, just a dot matrix game where it, it feels like it has that early, uh, you know, that right before um, Adam's family vibe. Now, that's not necessarily bad, though, because it, you talk to a lot of these long-term players, and a lot of these long-term players tend to gravitate toward those, um, those solid-state games, uh, the pre-DMD games. And so, who knows? Maybe it'll fit into that. Um, what are your thoughts? What did you think when you saw it? Well, and the disclaimer to the video, too, is, is I think they said they're only running on, like, 10% of code. It's not like really a ton of code. And so it's really hard to get a good feel of how the game will be. Uh, watching the gentleman that was playing it, I don't know if he was having a hard time playing it. It, it seemed like one of three things. Either he was having a hard time or um, the shots, like the left and the right ramp seem to reject a lot, especially the left one. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's like too steep or third, if like the whipper, the, the whippers, the flippers are too weak to get it up those ramps. So I know it's just adjustments that they need to make. And the cool part about this cosmic cart and Suncoast themselves is they're taking a lot of feedback and they are making the game better. Cause this is an entirely different game from what we saw even at Texas pin pinball festival three months ago. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's interesting to see where they're going with it. Um, I'm still not convinced it's for me, 
but it's one of those games I have to get my hands on, see what happens. I know that, and we've always said that disclaimer is that uh, pinball doesn't have to be everything to everybody, uh, as long as they find a niche and they find um, they find a venue. the The thing that I found a little interesting on the video, though, is that it didn't seem like he was doing much explaining what what yeah. he was doing, and I, I always find the videos more interesting when they say, "Well." I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And that gives me a little more direction onto what's going on in the game. So I still don't know really what to think about the game. Um, who knows? It, it's still, I'm, I'm curious. I guess I'll put it that way. I'm curious. Well, and the weird part, I don't know if, if this reminded anyone else like it did me, but this game for some odd reason reminded me of fishtails. And because Fish tells you, you know, you shoot the right when it comes back to the right flipper. You shoot the left when it comes back to the left yeah. flipper. He was he was doing that a lot. He would shoot the left ramp and come to back to the left flipper and shoot the right ramp. And so there was a lot of that um, just because that symmetrical layout and whatnot. But yeah. yeah, let's see where it goes. Well, I think it seems like by switching it up and actually not having the same um, plastic ramp that's symmetrical... I, I think that's that it's fine. I, I like that they tried to mix it up and put the wire form in, but is it really changing much? Because um, it seemed like the feed was still similar. Um, you may have the speed of being a little different, uh, being that it's a, a wire form and not um, just a, a plastic ramp. But um, I, I don't know if that's really going to affect anything other than cosmetics. Only time will tell. But it, it it does look very pretty, though. There's no argument there on that. <laughs> Have you been watching the uh, Facebook? Speaking of our Black Knight sort of rage discussion from a little bit earlier. Uh, the Facebook. You'll have to be a little more specific about that. So Steve Ritchie came out and was like, you cheaters, stop making the game steeper than 7%. He said pretty much... Six to, six and a half to seven percent. If you have it any steeper than that, you're cheating because it takes away from the side to side action and actually makes the game easier. And so he came out with a bunch of different uh, stuff that you can adjust or fix. I find this really cool because from it 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 closes that gap between manufacturer and customer. And so I thought it was really cool for Steve Ritchie to personally be coming out and say, "Hey, do this, this, and this." Because we all know pinball out of the box is not perfect. I don't know many people have set one up, put all four legs on, and went straight to work, and there was no issues whatsoever. And so Steve Ritchie's really trying to address those issues out of the box instead of he's focusing on fixing it instead of why everyone else is complaining. I I think it's certainly a step in the right direction. Uh, if you get more feedback from manufacturers, then you certainly see what they intended. Now, just because they intended it that way doesn't necessarily mean that that's what the end user is going to do. Um, if, uh, yeah. However, I think a lot of the tournament players are going to want that increased difficulty. A lot of times the reason why they jack up the legs is because they don't want the floaty ball. They don't want... Um, they basically want it to be challenging. And so if he's saying, well, it's going to do exactly the opposite. If you jack it up, it's going to make it easier. Then I think that that will be more challenging and be different because in some ways it's kind of like throwing a change up in baseball. When you're only used to hitting fastballs, that can really mess with you. If the ball is going a lot slower than you anticipate. Uh, I think it also works better with the uh with the vibe that he's going for and that he's channeling an 80s game and this is an 80s game with modern mechs yeah so i think this is actually the game he would have made for black knight 2000 if he had the technology back then but because he didn't then this is this is his answer uh i think that yeah uh as long as the um, as long as the flippers are strong and having that, uh, that movement in, it, it does make the game a little more challenging that may affect how tournament friendly it is, but we'll see. 
Have you been listening to Franchi segment there on Slap Save Pinball? You know what? I have been. Uh, I was on vacation last week while you had your baby, uh, babies, and uh, so I really uh, I was with my family, so I didn't have a chance to catch up on much pinball at all. Okay. Um, so, and of course, once I got home, I immediately went back to work and had two late days. So I, I really haven't been able to to hear uh, much of what uh, Franchi's been up to. Uh, what's he been stirring up lately? So I think I've learned something about Franchi, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but the gentleman is a giant teddy bear. Maybe from the movie Ted, but he's <laughs> you have to get to know him and know his humor. I think that's the thing is is uh, Franchi comes off as he'll shoot you straight, and so it was kind of cool to hear from his perspective with the insider, you know, working behind the scenes and saying, no, I want to correct what's been put out there and say, this is what actually happened. And so it's kind of cool to hear him doing that, but it makes me curious. I know me, you and Martin from head to head, were talking about this the other day, but what does Stern, does Stern approve of the releases? I mean, cause he just, they, uh, Franchi and slap save released the Superman 78, pinball art and i know that franchi released the beetlejuice art and so i'm kind of curious to the perspective from george gomez and stern i know george said you know pretty much if it's not a passion project we're not going to take it on and so yeah there is that but uh, i don't think we've ever seen in this capacity people releasing projects that have been passed up by stern and so it's it's cool to take a peek behind the curtain i just hope there's no expense to anyone uh, because of it so um but yeah what did, what did you think of the superman art because i know you've seen that yeah uh well uh first off i'll go back a little bit when i see a uh, an actor who gets photographed on tmz because in the caption on the bottom says so and so was caught at the beach with his shirt off and walking around okay how that happens is the publicist calls tmz and says hey by the way, the star is going to be at the beach at this time, and this is where you go. So they get the pictures. Yeah. Okay. So I is it possible that this is Franchi just uh, not caring and just doing his own thing? Sure. It also could be possible that there is some PR, uh, PR-driven element of Stern that's actually driving this. Uh, I think that they have been better at controlling the message um, in the last couple of years than they have before that. So when I hear stories and I hear leaks or I hear stuff like that, I think I, I think they're trying to help stay um, in in the public domain in 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 the in the moment and being able to capture that attention because. By driving the story and by driving the uh, the media, then people are going to start talking about you more than other things. So yeah, naturally, it's kind of drawing the interest. So when I uh, when I see things that are either leaked, uh, whether or not it's by uh, by Stern's permission or against Stern's permission, I do kind of question whether or not is this really a leak or is this just uh, kind of a planned leak. Um, so, uh, that being said, uh, we saw the Superman art, uh, Franchi released it. And, uh, apparently this is a project that is not going to get done just like the, um, the Beatles use project in some ways. I think it, it, it does work for Stern because there are, um, there are more suspicions over games that are going to be released than there are confirmed releases. And yeah. in some ways, I think it frees up the market if people say, well, my dream theme is X and I'm going to hold out and not buy anything until that gets made. Um, in some ways, I think they actually do a good job of shooting down some of those. Um, yeah. However, with uh, Superman, I thought that the art again looks amazing. It looks great if they were to make a Superman game then I think that that would that would catch my eye. That art would certainly catch my eye. 
However, just because it's a nostalgia theme doesn't mean it's marketable. So I think that what George Gomez is saying on, yeah, if there's no passion behind it, then people aren't going to pick it up. I also think they've done some market research to find out what will sell. And if they they obviously did enough market research to find out that Batman 66 was going to sell, so they did that. The Superman um, 78... uh, I'm not sure that that really had enough legs. And so they probably looked at it from a marketing standpoint, a business standpoint and say, this is not going to be commercially viable. And so they moved on. Well, and I also think, like you said, uh, Stern's done a lot of marketing. Me personally, two years ago, three years ago, when they announced Batman 66, you couldn't convince me that there was enough demand out there for it. But here we are now and it's touted as one of the best games that's been made in recent years. We've got, you know, Jack Danger saying it's his favorite game. And you've got just different perspectives on Batman 66. You know, a lot of people don't like some the way the layout is a little bit. But other than that, people are loving Batman 66. And so I just, it's weird to me. I, I stopped claiming, hey, this would make a good theme or this would not. Because some of the themes that have been made... I would assume wouldn't be great at all. Like I never thought an iron, an iron maiden pinball machine would be a good concept, yeah. but Hey, here we are. It's, it's the best one in the last 20 years. So, or at least I guess I can't claim the last 20 years. We'll just say it one game sure. of the year last year. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like, I just, I guess I don't have my finger on the pulse like Stern does. And so my faith is in them. If, if they, if they're passing on it because they don't feel like it's, uh, a viable option then then so be it love the artwork dude franchi kills it every time yeah. i just i i have no complaints i just I, i'm not an artist so i'm astounded every time i see it so yeah he, he really does yeah. have a, an amazing grasp onto what works um and it just it always looks amazing it looks like it was a photo shoot from uh, what uh uh what the actors would be posing to do. I mean, it looks like Christopher Reeves. Yep. And there's a lot of times, and and um, I appreciate that he at least put on there that he had different poses and it was different aspects of him, which I, I loved. And uh, I know that that's driven by the, the licensor uh, for the most part, which is why um, he was probably, again, this is me, this is me speculating. This is why he was, probably locked into putting Chris Pratt in the same pose five times on guardians of the galaxy. Um, but that's the, I think that's the pose that Disney wanted or that, um, you know, whoever was in control of guardians of the galaxy, uh, that's what they wanted. Um, when you talk about a, a game, yes, theme plays into it, but how much of this do you think was driven by, Lyman sheets. And, and seriously, like that game had no legs when yeah, it true. first came out. It came out and there was nothing. But and just glance over what Lyman's done. So Lyman's done ACDC, legendary game. Yep. He's done Attack from Mars, legendary game. Okay, he did Batman in the in the doldrums. Um, you know, the original Batman in the Dark Knight. Uh, not the original original, but the Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, so that was in the eight uh, in 0807. Okay, fine. Then he had Batman 66. Okay, great one. Uh, Big Buck Hunter, uh, CSI. So these are all, if anytime I read something off, it's that is a, a miss, I would say. It's probably during the dark days of Stern that. Well, you're missing a couple of them in there that were very vital. I mean, think of Metallica and also The Walking Dead. Okay, but yes, uh, Tron, uh, 2010 passed. Guns N' Roses in the glory days. Uh, Indiana Jones Stern, uh, clunker, in that doldrums era. Uh, Iron Man, 2010 on. Avatar, eh, okay. Uh, I know Martin loves it, but uh, Medieval Madness, back in the glory days. Metallica, 2010 on. Um, Monster Bash, glory days. Uh, Spider-Man, okay, that may be the one standout in 2007. Um, Rolling Stone, Soprano. So, yes, like there's... I think it just depends on what Lyman is able to do, but he's done such an amazing job that he knows how to make a game that high level players want to play. 
So my question to you is then, if you took Batman 66 and stripped away all the code and did just basic code, not not basic, but let's say we had a different designer do that game, do you think Batman 66 would have got as far as it has now without Lyman? Absolutely not. There's no chance. I mean, that, that would have been dead in the water. They, they would have... They would have dropped it and moved on. They uh, they basically said, we're all in on this. This is going to be, um, they were able to lock up their their best designer or their best code writer and lock him up until he was able to work on this crazy code forever and uh, this this crazy expensive game. And really, they didn't, they, it's, it's crazy expensive for anything. And they were able to make something, they, they were able to make a diamond out of coal. Um, sadly, I still am disappointed that there is no location version of this game. I, I, I've played one, this game once. Um, it's at a, a collector's house that has tons of uh, high-end stuff, but he hosts something once a year. He's not, he's not a regular, he's a nice guy but he's just not a regular. And so I don't get much time on the game. I wish if Stern had something that good, that was well-respected like that, that they would have been able to find a way to get it to the masses. Well, and the part, and you bring up Blake's collection, because I really think that's the only Batman 66 that I know of in the state of Utah. That game, it was fun to play. Don't get me wrong. It was fun to play, but even the one that I was playing was having issues with it. Something to do with the magnet inside the spinning or the turntable. I know it's not a spinning disc, but yeah, I just, I want more time on this game. There's so much good buzz around it that I want more time on it. So yeah, there's some, there's so many great players that want to, that love this game. And so there is something there. There's a reason why, and you know, it's the same thing with walking dead. Walking dead was left for dead. I mean, unintended, right? Um, yeah. but after Lyman was able to work his magic because people always said, Oh, well, it doesn't matter what the code says. You can't fix geometry. Well, apparently you can fix something, uh, with the code because people suddenly started liking a game that they didn't like before. Well, moving on. Well, in the same realm as this, you saw the Catwoman version of Batman 66, right? And yeah. also the color premium of monsters. Um, and they're both premiums. I know someone was kind of throwing a fizz. Is this a premium? Is this a limited edition? They're both premiums. It said right in the picture, right next to the LCD screen. Mm-hmm. They're both premiums. Do you think that there's enough warranted for a Catwoman version of Batman 66? Because honestly, in my opinion, I I don't know if Munsters is doing as great as Stern had hoped. And so they're throwing another curveball with this color premium. Sorry, I'm, I'm mixing two together at once. So first off, Catwoman, what's your thoughts? Okay, um, I'll take Batman first for a hundred, Alex. Okay. Um, I think that um, now that the code is 1.0 and high-level players have played it and said they really like the code, I think it will change the buzz around the game. Um, we all know that it really was one of the worst releases. Um, that it just felt like a lead balloon because it looked so pretty, but it was just not ready for prime time uh, when it was released. Um, I, I understand as a business that you need to really look at the whole picture and Stern knew it wasn't ready, but obviously Adam West was not, not in good health. And so yeah. they pushed it to get that out while he was still alive. And I, I have to, uh, um, I have to give them a, a pass or at least an understanding for that. Um, now that the game is done and there's going to be more demand for it, I think it makes sense for them to say, hey, there's going to be more demand for this game. You guys all said this is a great game. Do you want to buy a different version? Do you want to buy the Lucy version? Do you want, you know, do you want to buy uh, the the special premium version? I I, I'm fine with that. I think it's perfect. It's the perfect way of saying, yes, there's a, a different version that's available. Um, I, I wish that they had this, this available when it was launched because I think it would have, um, I think it would have changed the initial reception of the game. However, yeah. they've done, they've done, they've been able to do a good job of resurrecting a game that I thought was going to be left for dead. I agree. 
uh, with the monsters. What are your thoughts on the colorized premium version? Um, I think honestly, this is a game right now. It has fantastic flow. Uh, it's an enjoyable game to shoot. Um, I just, I don't think changing the premium or giving a color option to the premium is the saving grace that it needs. Um, I think, uh, the code just needs to be worked a little bit. I, I I think that's where the focus should be. And it feels a little too soon. Monsters was just released in January. Why are we releasing a colored version in where we're in May now, five months later? That's that's the other goofy part too. I guess this has not been confirmed nor denied from Stern yet. But um and I might be wrong, maybe there there has been, but I just I find it really weird that we're doing it's about that time of the season where they release the the not the remake the vault the vault and they're releasing pretty much batman 66 a game that was released a couple of years ago and monsters that was released in in january and there might still be a vault coming personally me color doesn't do a difference for the premium for me it's not a game i'm looking to buy so it's just awesome they came out with the color version i don't know <laughs> i don't know what else to put to it you know what i'm saying yeah, see, I think you're wrong. Um, I actually think you're dead wrong on this. I think that um, the black and white version looks spectacular, but it was kind of a hipster choice. Um, when people looked at that, they're like, ooh, that's the cool, different black and white version. Because if you look at there's a there's a, a, bl- a black and white Twilight Zone thread on Pinside where people yeah. look at that and say, wow, that's kind of cool people are still going to want the color version. They're going to want the version that has all that has the color splash. And you looked at the LE and looked at the premium and you said, wow, the, the LE, that color looks fantastic. Um, so I think that their premium sales were probably lagging a little bit. And so this was a quick way of, of doing a, a reversal to sell more, or this could have been, Hey, a marketing ploy and saying we have this planned all along and we just wanted to get the black and white premiums out there. And then after the hipsters uh, bought those up who wanted that special version, we're going to lease the colored premium. It could be that just like uh, the Lucy edition on the original ACDC, the black and white version may be the rare version and may actually hold its value more than the colorized version. But they're they're trying to sell games and people said hey the black and white version is cool i still want a colored version option and they said oh what how much are you willing to pay me oh a premium oh okay great we'll make that we'll see where the demands i i i don't doubt that they'll sell these but i just i find it weird i think it's a great home game yeah it's a good game that people who are casual about pinball who just want something fun in their basement and they're in that 50 to 60 uh, year old uh, market where they say, hey, I'm having a game room. Oh, that I remember that theme. That's something I connect with. I can put that up. Yeah. Great. And I think that that will really draw people in and say, yeah, this is, hey, this is fun. So when they have all their, uh, their old timers over, then they'll say, hey, that's cool. I played pinball when I was a kid. So it's smart marketing. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with you there on the smart marketing, but I'm just intrigued to see where it goes. Yeah. And, and I always, I like more options. So uh, I like that we're in this manufacturing window where they can change things on the fly. They can customize things. They can respond to market demand. And I think it really will change uh, the variety out there. I think it's great. So last week I was listening to This Week in Pinball. Ken Cromwell was the co-host with Zach Manny, and they made a giant announcement that Zach wants the most re- most current games streamed. They want a good, uh, a good feeling of what the game feels like, and pretty much they'll stream it every week until the next game comes out. And so... Zach was trying to find someone to stream this and I guess Bill and Ken decided to step up, which is perfect for them because they live in Chicago. So Zach told him to go pick up an Oktoberfest and they, they streamed it tonight. Did you watch this at all? You know, I I was so busy right until recording. So no, (laughs) it was pretty cool. So they had Josh Kugler and uh, Joe there 
talking about uh, Oktoberfest, and it was like a behind the scenes while also getting to play the game. Plus, it seemed like all the pinball podcasts were there. Dennis Creasel and Tony from Eclectic Gamers, uh, pinball nerds were there. Um, straight down the middle, you know, Zach was there because obviously it's it's flipping out brand name, pushing this, and so he wanted to be there. Um, oh, the gentleman that does stadium, pin stadiums. Uh, Scott. Scott, I was going to say Jeff, you're, you're pretty good to either get Jeff or Scott. If you say that with any kind of pinball thing, <laughs> yes, but no, Scott, Scott was there. Slap save was there. I mean, it was just really cool because it was kind of like a behind the scenes, chill, laxing moment with all the podcasts and the guys that made the game. Um, I'm excited after this to just get my hands on Oktoberfest. I haven't got to play one yet. Um, no title for me is an automatic title in my house. And so the beer theme doesn't really speak to me, but I, Hey, if it's a great game, I mean, the shadow is not a great theme. I still want it. <laughs> so yeah, I know one for, I know one that could be for sale. Oh, uh, assemble it together. It's a build your own adventure. Oh, let's not, Oh, let's not even go there. Okay. <laughs> I feel terrible about that. But yeah. anywho, I, for, so if you want to hang out with the cool kids, or I don't know if we call ourselves the cool kids, if you want to <laughs> hang out with, <laughs> I think by definition, our podcast name says that we are we don't identify as the cool kids. Correct. Well, we'll get we'll get there because today is origin story time, kids. Right. Right back to this. Woo. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it was just really cool. If you want to come hang out, I think we'll be there. Uh, We'll try to make it. Um, It seems like every other podcast was there. Come join us. It was fun. Good job. Special one lit. It was a great show. We'll have to start streaming from our own basements. We will have to do that. So actually, I have thought about that. I've thought about uh, talking uh, to Martin and figuring out like what what sort of portable rig there is. I think that if I started streaming, I'd probably play my own games more. Uh, Jack Danger and I've been talking a lot about it. I'll send you over the stuff he sent me. So. Okay. Do you want to come over and assemble? I I would love just to have someone assemble it, and I can just play the games. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so. Cool. Um, so that pretty much wraps it up for news and notes. Uh, like I told you, I'm going to take this quick moment because uh, every time we've been announced on other podcasts and other features like This Week in Pinball and stuff like that, they always say Loser Kid Pinball Podcast, the saddest name for a pinball podcast or <laughs> the most self-deprecating name. And I, I want to I set the record straight. So we're, we're going back 15 years right now, kids. We're going back to when Blink-182 was huge. This was, uh, they had just finished up with Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, and they had released the self-titled album. Um, they owned a clothing company called Loser Kids. You see where this is going? Huh? Anywho, so they had a clothing line before Macbeth that they called Loser Kids. It was kind of just a, a distributorship that um, got a bunch of skater punk clothes, and then they would sell it through their website. Uh, the name kind of got lost. They kind of just abandoned it. But the bunny that you see associated with Blink-22 is the loser kid bunny. So growing up uh, in high, well, I guess we're all growing up in high school. In high school, um, I don't want to say I was a loser, but because of who I am, uh, one of the things that made me stand out is I refuse to drink alcohol. Um, it's a very personal story to me. It doesn't really have necessarily have to do with, uh, I, I had a gentleman in a bar. I, I told him, Hey, I don't drink alcohol. Cause he wanted to play some pinball and drink some beers with me. I said, I, I just don't drink. And then he kind of gave me the, well, you go to church, isn't it? And I said, no, it's not the church. And I gave him the story. And then the dude was like, well, that's a buzz kill. I'm like, dude, you're the one that brought it up. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if you're going to attack me when you don't even know me, I will give you my story. I'm not going to share my story here. It's a little long. Um, it, it, it involves other people that I'd prefer not to discuss on this podcast. But if you ever see me and you want to hear the story, I'd be more than happy to share it with you. It's not, I don't know if it will kill your buzz. It did this gentleman, but I think it's because he was trying to prove a point, which then got shot down. Yeah. But, but anywho, because I, I didn't drink alcohol and my friends did, uh, they often made fun of me and called me a loser. So, me being a huge Blink-182 fan, liking the Loser Kid 
symbolism, I then took loser and thought, well, I'm not like everyone else. So that makes me a loser, which isn't a bad thing in my opinion. Um, and then I always want to be a kid, even though I have adult responsibilities, even though I love my family, even though, uh, I, I don't mind paying the bills and going to work and getting stuff done. I never want to grow up. I always want to relate to my kids. And so hence the name loser kid, bam. And so in my world, it's more of a positive thing. And, um, I think it's a cool thing to stand out from everyone else. Uh, doesn't matter what it may be, especially in pinball. It seems like all of us as pinheads stand out from the rest of the world because of our hobby. Um, there's not many people that, you know, on a normal or well, not normal. What's the word I'm looking for? Average average basis that is into pinball. So I would say loser kid is not a downer. It's a unique name. And so, uh, in that spirit, I'm going to dub some honorary loser kids right now. Um, Eric Minier, since you came on our podcast, you are officially a loser kid. If you want to use the title, you're more than welcome to. You're, you're also the uh, first kid who actually decided to take a chance and get interviewed for our first interview, which I definitely appreciate. Yes. So you're our number one loser kid for the pinball industry. <laughs> I also want to extend the loser kid title to Jeff Rivera of the pinball podcast because he has taught us a lot uh, on this journey as we've been doing this. And he was nice enough, nice enough to also come along on our journey and uh, and record an episode and same with dan newman for teaching us about tournaments and stuff like that so use it what you will maybe we can get some cool patches i don't know we'll talk about it later i i think i think it's cool personally me and so if you want to be a loser kid reach out to us and we'll talk about it we'll talk about getting you on the show or doing something um but i see loser kid as a positive thing i know it's kind of a weird thing to think but that's what it is. Yeah, I, I just kind of look at it as how when when I was growing up, uh, being called a nerd was was bad, and now people just self appoint I'm a nerd, and it's just now that's who I am, and it just kind of identifies which lane you're in. So I don't really, then I don't have any negative connotations to that. It's just like yeah, it's kind of um, it's more declaring you're doing your own thing, and I'm okay with yep. that. Nothing wrong with that at all. So, well, I wanted to do one more thing before we wrap this up. I wanted to talk about, you know, Head to Head's been doing their whole music pin thing. They were talking about Rush. And it, with me being from a music background, since I was in a band and, and traveled and enjoyed rubbing shoulders with other people in music and with music influencing such, so much of my high school life, I wanted to talk our top three music pins. I know I have three. Did you come up with three? Scott? I actually did. Three. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So I want you to, uh, let's, let's, let's go back and forth. What's, let's start at our bottom. What's your number three music pin that you would want? See, I'm not sure how relevant this band is currently, but imagine yourself back in 1987 and you're sitting there and you walk into a bar and you see a Def Leppard pinball machine. You are definitely okay. going to go and put some money in that, and you're going to crank up, pour some sugar on me, multi-ball. Okay. So, I like it. So actually, I think that Def Leppard would translate really well. Uh, I'm not sure it has the uh, the dry it once did, but I'm that kind of retro uh, 80s look, um, I think it would work out really well. I think also, I think there is more demand for it than you think, just because Netflix did their documentary or whatever it was uh, about Motley Crue, and I, there was a lot of good reception to it. So, yeah, but Motley Crue, I, I, that, that definitely would be an NSFW sorry. Uh, pinball machine. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why I went with Motley Crue. You said Def Leppard. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. Okay. I will say Motley Crue would be an interesting one. But uh, the pinball machines would only be in, uh, in let's just say, uh, gentlemen's clubs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. can be right there next to Playboy's. That's probably true. I don't know how many they would sell, but it would be interesting. So Martin gave away my number three on Head to Head. 
uh, I grew up with Sum 41. It was the first band I kind of connected with. There was a song called Fat Lip. came out. It was punk rock mixed with a little bit of rap. Um, it was fantastic. They As they grew up, they went more towards the metal side. And I think that metal vibe plays well already into pinball. And so I think it would play well, especially with their background stories and stuff like that. Um, Cause uh, their album Chuck, they almost lost their live over or lives. Um, I think that would play really cool into a pinball machine, trying to get, get to the helicopter to get away from the firefight, stuff like that for interest in checking it out. Um, it's the sum 41 documentary. You can't miss it. So mm. That's my number three. I, I really like their music. If, if you want to check them out, I say if you like more metal, check out Chuck. If you like more pop punk, check out All Killer No Filler. And they've got some 80s metal vibes in there as well because they, they grew up listening to uh, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. So, <laughs> Well, I, I, I listen to Iron Maiden, not much of Judas Priest. but Okay. All right, what's your All number right, two? Number two. So I'm trying to figure out which this is. Okay. And I know this is this has been said before, but Van Halen, like I don't understand why Van Halen does not have a pinball machine. I mean, Van Halen yeah. would be perfect. And yeah, and actually, I am actually one of the one of the minorities that actually think the uh, the Van Hagar era is actually a better era than the early um, the David Lee Roth early the the first four albums. Um, however. For the for the uh, for the pinball machine, you go with early. You go with 1984 and back. Uh, you have killer music there. It certainly is a killer vibe. That retro uh, Van Halen logo that you can put up there. I mean, it 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 just screams, you know, just uh, cockiness. It screams that uh, that bravado of being a 20-something-year-old who wants to light the world on fire. And that would work really well in a bar. You don't even have to do a, a back class. You could just put uh, the first Van Halen album up there with all four of them doing their poses and you are good to go. But that would be a crazy awesome theme that I think would sell. Yeah, I agree. That would be a really cool one, actually. Um, I just I love Eruption. I think that'd just be a fantastic Eruption multiball or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Well, that would be a solo, so that that that, that should be a solo ball, uh, epic. Uh, see how long you can keep that thing going. Yeah, I agree. All right, my number two is not actually a band. Here's my concept: Warp Tour. It did over twenty plus years of touring through America. When people think Warp Tour, they usually think skateboarding and they think punk rock bands, but. If you've ever been to a Warp Tour, there were six different stages at Warp Tour. And each stage kind of did their own genre because they didn't want, say if you were into metal, they didn't want the metal bands competing with each other. So there was one stage that was metal, so you wouldn't have to really worry about which one you're looking for. And the cool part about the concept of this pinball machine is you wouldn't narrow yourself into one uh, music genre. I don't know if anyone knows this. Uh, I, I don't know how well you know your your Warp Tour history, but Eminem played on Warp Tour. Black Eyed Peas, Katy Perry, Billy Idol, Joan Jett, and the Black Hearts. Um, not the Black Hearts. Beck, uh, Ice T. For heaven's sakes, there's such an eclectic amount of artists that played on Warp Tour, and you could do six different uh, six different stages as the modes you have to collect and that theme or that genre would be tied to that stage and so i i imagine this so there's a metal theme you could pick between avenge sevenfold uh, a day to remember um some of those and once you once you've played that stage and collected it uh, you move on to the next one, or you can you can move around from stage to stage because that's the nice part about Warp Tour. You did not have to stay at one stage, and so it could be a very open freelance kind of game that's not so linear. I think it has a lot of potential, and the other cool part would be having the spinning disc like you would in Pirates of the Caribbean, and that would be your mosh pit and getting the balls up into there so they're all moshing and doing the circle. I don't know. It's it's a no in my opinion. It's a no brainer to do 
even if warp tour is not your thing some type of festival because it then takes the ability to do multiple bands that you might not necessarily get one pinball machine out of but they could work together to make one epic pinball machine yeah i i guess i would think uh i would think more of Lollapalooza, but that was probably before your time um and uh you could do a monsters of rock tour right? and that was kind of the, the biggest 80s bands but in some ways that seems kind of generic i don't know i don't know if that would work uh i don't know if i would really be drawn in by that and i guarantee you could get jeffree star to do the call outs because jeffree star was on warp tour one year as well how cool would that be come on jeffree i know you want to be in a pinball machine okay all right my number one uh pinball machine theme okay drum roll journey okay journey had their now yes they know cheesy love songs but there are so many great uh, rock songs that would really work out well. And I'm, you know, the, uh, if you look at Journey's visu- visuals, like they have a very distinct look. And it was, you know, it, it was basically kind of this early, uh, early 80s, uh, um, early 80s illustrator, uh, you know, uh, what am I looking for? It's a, it's a kind of futuristic commercial art look. Um, okay. It yeah. Had uh, it, it very distinct, but it also feels very classic. And I think that there would be some really great, uh, great imagery that you could make into a game and say, "Huh, that's really interesting." Journey actually had a great video game back in the day, and they you would go through and you'd collect all the band members. Um, however, they had some problems with it because it would take pictures of the people with the high scores. And there were people with their shirts off that ended up on these games. Now, it may work for now, but it didn't really work in 1982. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that Journey would be a fantastic game visually. It would look great. And I actually think that it would be really super, it would be a big seller. I agree. Uh, there is a lot of, uh, not only is Journey, in my opinion, considered one of the uh, the best bands of the eighties it's still relevant to today. When I DJ, um, even kids dances for high school, when I start playing journey, I turn the music down because all those kids are singing it and you can't hear the music over them singing it. So I think it's still relevant yeah. to this day as well. Well, it, it kind of had a, a big comeback with uh, Sopranos. <laughs> okay. So my number one, it's really obscure, but because of this band, I think it would integrate into pinball so well that's undeniable that it would that it would make a great pinball machine. I don't know if you've ever heard of these guys, but the Aquabats. Have you heard of the Aquabats? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> go with me on this. So this is a band that only has made music, but they've made a TV series. They've made uh, funny gadgets and stuff like that. So the, the appeal of the Aquabats is it, they're surf rock uh, mixed with ska. And so at one point, as a joke, at, ska was at their height. They had 14 members in their band. Um, they're right at five right now. They always get teased as the band that used to have Travis Barker from Blink-22, the drummer that everyone knows because he drums for everyone. But here's the thing about the Aquabats. They've got a story to their band each band member has a special power or a special superpower and the call outs and everything would be fantastic. Just imagine trying to collect all five band members. There's, there's the MC bat commander. Uh, there's Eagle bone, Falcon Hawk. There's crash McLarson, Ricky fitness and Jamie, the robot. You're trying to collect these guys. And then every time it kind of like monster bash, you collect all five of them. But then as you get their power, that power would then enhance the game. So let's say you get Crash McLarson, his special superpower is to grow really big. Well, double your t- two times, three times play field would be his after you've collected him and you start his superpower. Um, Ricky Fitness is really, really fast at drumming. Have a, f- like a, a fast hurry up mode. I mean, there's just so much that could play so well and easily with this band 
that it, it just makes sense to me. If you've ever seen them live, um, they play their superhero persona on stage. They come out all dressed as, if, if you don't know who these guys are, please go check them out. The Aquabats charge, in my opinions, their best CD. Um, a lot of people like the fury, of the Aquabats. That's a really good one too, but they fight villains on stage. There could be a villain multi-ball where you fight the sand fleas is the name of one of the villains they fight. You know, it, it's a great theme all the way around and it's a family friendly theme. If you want to take your kid, your five-year-old to their first concert, take them to the Aquabats. You're not going to have to worry about them swearing. They, they created Yo Gabba Gabba for heaven's sakes. It just, they're fantastic. I really think that their band would integrate so well into pinball. It, it would just, it would be great if, if done right. You know what I'm saying? No, <laughs> no, I don't know what you're saying. I, I am so lost in this conversation. It, it, it's a good thing this isn't a video chat because my face is just with my jaw drawn open and I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> the wizard mode, they've got a song that's literally called Look at Me, I'm a Winner. Think of Look at Me, I'm a Winner wizard mode. <laughs> See, Come on. If you're going to go with that, then why do you go with like the 1970s Super Friends where you're collecting like the Wonder Twins and you're collecting Hawkman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman before he was cool? And <laughs> Because this is music pins. This is music pins. And so their music would integrate so well. Okay, Jack Black is an Aqua Cadet. So if you're a huge fan of the Aquabats, they have the Aqua Cadets. Jack Black is one of the guys that's pushing to get the Aquabats, their TV series back. I mean, I, I, there's just so much entrenched there, especially with Jack Black being like, everyone check out Pinball. Yeah, okay. Perfect. Yeah, I, I think this is your passion project that would that, that would sell one to you and your mom. I, I, I just... No, I... <laughs> I'm sorry. There, there's no I chance I do not believe that. Sell. I do not... There's no chance anyone would... Uh, get, basically, Gary Stern and George Gomez would be throwing you out of the Stern pitch booth so fast if you went there and said you wanted to do an Aquabats pinball machine. <laughs> Dude, they've been around for almost 30 years. There, There is weight under them. They've, they've got yeah. a following. I just... <laughs> Okay, now you did hit on Molly Crew. Molly Crew would actually make a great pinball machine. <laughs> you should probably stick with that one. <laughs> no, I'm sticking with the Aquabats because if you did, if I got Lyman on that code, along with Franchi artwork and uh, John Borg or Steve Ritchie layout, that well. I'm sorry. I just kind of put a super team together anyway. So, so they should do the super friends. Yes. Either that. Well, you know, you could do a, you could do a, a Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana uh, pinball machine with that team and it would still sell. Ah, uh, yeah. But my point being is it's a theme that shouldn't be discounted. If you haven't listened to the Aquabats, please, please just listen to look at my, I, I, I've, I've done this and either people do one of two things. They go, that is the greatest song I've ever yeah. heard. Look at me. I'm a winner. Is the greatest song I've ever heard in my life. Or the other reaction is, what are you smoking? And you should get out of here. <laughs> I really think this pinball machine would only sell in Colorado and maybe around San Francisco, where there's a lot of 420 going on. I just can't imagine anybody wanting this game. <laughs> you're, you, you're so well, I didn't think that about Batman 66, but here we are. <laughs> You are so far off the rails. <laughs> hey, people have backed yeah. me with this concept on Pinside. Okay, one dude, one dude. One dude, yeah, person. Person has backed you, not people. Okay, okay. No, seriously, write in. Everyone, write on our Facebook page, tell Scott he is wrong and that we need an Aquabats pinball machine. There's no chance for the three people who are following us, there's no chance we're going to get anybody who, who sides with you. There's zero chance. You never know. Creason might send us a full page message on how this is the theme that needs to be made. Okay, if if you get more than ten people who say that's a good idea, that's still not a spooky a spooky title. <laughs> True. That, that 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 that's a a, a heroes of Valhalla or a, the Wrath of Olympus numbers. <laughs> okay, I'll make a poll. How about this? Let's see if we can okay. get anyone to do a go to our Facebook page, 
Loser Kid Pinball Podcast, and we'll have a poll. Yes, it's a good idea. <laughs> um, no, it's terrible. This is just going to be so sad because it's going to only have like three people vote. It's going to be you, me, and like my wife maybe. <laughs> you know what? But if three people vote and they all say yes, I'm still right. <laughs> okay, well, you did not have a vote for me. <laughs> I think you're crazy. <laughs> Come on, Creasel. You know you're on my side. Wow. This is just so... I want the next rant to be Franchi telling you how how quickly you would have been thrown out of the pitch session. Okay, okay. All right. If if you guys agree or disagree with our with our music pin ideas, send us a, a, a DM, a, a PM, whatever they're calling them nowadays, through Facebook. Yeah. Get a hold of us at loserkidpinballpodcast at gmail.com. Or a snail malice. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was our that was our ideas. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to think. I have to look up half the bands you talked about because I have no idea what you're talking. About. <laughs> well, actually, all three of your things. I I have no idea. Who's someone, some 182 or, or 55 or whatever, whoever that is. And the warp tour, I don't know. I must have been in college during that. I have no idea who was on the warp tour. I thought you were going to say like Ozfest or something. I'm like, yeah, Ozfest would be great. Warp tour was in 1995 is when it started. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you you hit right in the middle of my college days, which means I went to I went to a school in the morning, work in the afternoon and studied at night. And, um, apparently someone, uh, someone down the, uh, the road was downloading, uh, everything on Napster at the time. See, perfect. Yeah. You could, you could have been there. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I couldn't have been there cause I was broke. I couldn't even buy like the dollar menu back then. Dude, that was the appeal of Warped Tour. It was dirt cheap and you got to see like 50 plus bands for yeah. There's a reason why I didn't get into pinball back then because I couldn't even afford to pay dollars into just playing dollar games. Yeah, true. So, well, cool. I think that pretty much wraps it up. It's almost midnight for us guys. And it's probably midnight for when we're going to release this episode. I usually do it midnight Australia time. So, that's right. Yes. But cool. Uh, It looks like we may or may not be dropping an episode next week. So, keep an eye out for that. Uh, It may or may not happen. I'm not going to make any promises, guys. I got two. I got two twins now. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, hopefully, we'll be able to at least drop a quick interview episode and talk about the um, the Rocky Mountain Pinball Showdown coming up. Yeah. So I want to clarify. I have two babies that happen to be twins. I do not have two sets of twins. That would be awesome, though. Yeah, I guess whatever floats your boat. Did, did I, <laughs> have I ever told you about my cousin? No, my my cousin had a girl, girl, twin girls, twin girls. Like this was all spontaneous. Uh, her mom was a twin, and yeah, apparently it runs in the family there. Nice. So six girls, two sets of twins. You know, it's funny. We have a boy and a girl twin, and we're going to start putting like rules on Facebook. They're not identical, like, right? Yeah, they're yes, they're twins. No, they're not identical. One's a boy, <laughs> one's a girl. And I live in a small town, so usually the follow-up question is, oh, you're having twins? Did you hear someone else is having quadruplets or whatever they are? Yes, I have heard. Trust me. I've heard it multiple times. Yeah. (laughs) I I wouldn't want quadruplets. No, me neither. All right, man. Always good to talk to you. Okay. Sounds good. Well, go and and take care of those babies. Will do. You take care of your children. Sounds good. (laughs) I think they're still asleep, but I'm not sure. All right, man. Okay, catch you later. Later.